Insert coconut sound effects. Who's going to start it? You want to start this one? Start sure. it, Casey. Okay. <clears throat> hey, folks. <laughs> hey there, welcome back to Utah Places and Traces, where we talk about your favorite state with six corners. I'm Casey. Jake. And I'm Isaac. And today we are going to talk about another place that Jake wants to take his child. Hogle Zoo. Hogle Zoo. Hogle Zoo, folks. I love zoos. When's the last time you went to the Hogle Zoo? I went probably nine months ago. Really? Oh. Yeah. You did? Good. Yeah. Yeah. We, we took Russ. Way, he was way too young to enjoy it. Mm, but An um, infant and a babe in arms at the time. It was more for us to be like, look, we took our baby to the zoo. Not responsible parenting, but I, he still had a good time. Uh, I think soon. that's a fine reason to go to the zoo. Yeah. I probably went nine years ago. Nine years yeah, to the I, don't, more. I can't even think of when the last time was that I went there. It was fun. It's been... I didn't go there very much growing up. Well, you were out. You weren't, you know, you couldn't go every weekend or whatever you were in. How often did you go? Did you go a lot? Probably once a month. Once a month? Well, we had passes and stuff and they paid for themselves over time. Mm. The more you go. Yeah, for sure. But no. This is definitely a a significant place for you and your. This is me, yeah. A nostalgic place. So, um, yeah, folks, we're talking about the Hogle Zoo. We're going to talk about a lot of elements of it, its history, what you can do there now some um, questions slash controversies, but we'll end on a high note because there's there's good things happening at the zoo. For sure. Zoos. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It turns out this place actually has a really interesting history and quite a funny history at that. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We got to mention for Casey. What kind of corporation is this, Casey? This is a 501c3. Nonprofits. The same as Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Point. How do they do it? How do they do it? Grants, um, the University of Utah. Yeah, Absolutely. they have a lot of partnerships. Yeah. Also, it's kind of expensive to go. Yeah, Hogle Zoo prices, I mean, they're they're up, certainly from where they were. Um, it's not like it's totally inaccessible or anything like that. You can still go. But it just happens. You know, you get um, inflation and money goes elsewhere, and that's part of it. So uh, it's a really, really cool place. We want to just give a quick, brief overview of what's going on and what they've got coming down the pike. Um, so just I want Is to it s- pike or pipe coming, coming down, down the, the well, pipeline? Right. I always um, thought it was pike. Jake has but a master's recently, degree, so. recently, I've heard people say pike. So the second Google, uh, yeah, coming it? down the pike is the correct That's phrase. Right. But if it's down in the pipeline, it means the same in thing. In the pipeline, maybe yeah. I'm just mixing up my my phrases. You're a real loan officer pipes. terminology there. The pipeline. That's oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, you loan officers, look okay. at these these mortgage boys. <laughs> okay, well, you know what mortgage boys don't often do is talk about the zoo. So, well, we're gonna do that. Okay. Take that. The Hogle Zoo's got a lot of cool ex- uh, exhibits. So everything from an African savanna, primate forest, including great apes. They have a great ape building. There's a North American animals exhibit, a whole elephant encounter. We'll talk a lot about that one later. There's an area called Creekside. It's got a nice play area, splash pad for the kids. And then the Rocky Shores where you've got your bears. You've got your uh, a lot of Pacific Northwest wildlife and, and ocean wildlife. And you've got a small animal building, a lot of tropical stuff there. And then at the furthest end of the zoo, we've got the Asian Highlands. Under construction is the Aline W. Skaggs Wild Utah exhibit, which is um, going to replace a lot of where the train used to be. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Local wildlife, that's important. Have you guys been to the uh, aquarium? 
the love no Lind? Love well, i have Lind? not actually there Let's is see, an aquarium it's, it's right in, by ikea it's with that oh, really ugly that no. ugly um claw looking thing you mean yeah. beautiful claw no on i-15 i will stake my opinion that is ugly i think if i understand correctly you too came to town and used that as part of their they no would. way. Whatever. And then they're like, they well, would. we don't want to take it anywhere. And who can blame them? It's really ugly. Well, exactly. It does look like a, a crab, but not. If it were yeah. a crab, I'd be like, okay, it's ugly, but I get it. But it's just a... Some type of alien contraption. Everyone who drives on I-15 has seen this thing, and I don't think anyone has ever... Look out for it. Yeah. Love looking yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. Aquarium, we just had to say it. Um, what did, oh, I brought that up because at the aquarium, there is a Utah wildlife. Oh, um, that's cool yeah a little wing which is, which is super cool so k- kudos to you zoo for doing that yeah. i think that's important so zoo's got a lot of cool stuff um, a lot of open air stuff we're going to learn about some of what they used to have as we go through the history here we'll learn about some of the decisions that have led to why they have what they do now and what's coming uh what's in the pipeline coming down the pike coming down the pike in the pipeline so let's go ahead and walk through some history here um and from the top yeah Isaac, you want to start that? And we'll sure. just do what we did last time. Yeah, sounds okay. great. Okay. Yeah, we, we had to re-record this podcast. Uh, apologies, so. we need to say that. Just yeah. so you all know. But last time we were, it was really late. We were really punchy, so this will probably be better. Yeah, we were, better for you, worse for us. We went off on a lot of <laughs> tangents lot of on this one. <laughs> okay, Isaac, nineteen eleven. What is going on? All right, so nineteen eleven. This is the first. Uh, this is when the original zoo, which was located on Liberty Park in downtown Salt Lake City. Uh, officially opened. So 1911, they opened a exhibit of monkeys and they later acquired a single deer for the exhibit. <laughs> like we don't see enough deer in our neighborhoods here in Utah. I wonder if it was a different kind of deer, like, a, like exotic a dick dick or whatever. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It could have been right. I mean, cause they, or again, just like, a muley. probably saw deer all over the place. Well, and here, here's what's funny. So the, our second note there says that the deer's popularity was what was the catalyst for getting the zoo created. Right. And so I wonder maybe it was the fact that it was a captive deer, not a deer eating your plants, that people were like, like you pooping know what? Pooping on your lawn. We should put more deer they're in captivity. Like, <laughs> they're like, at last. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Because if you ask me, like, between monkeys or deer, which one is more exotic? And when you're in Salt Lake, it's hard for me to imagine that the popularity of a deer, unless it was, as Casey said, an exotic deer, yeah, you know, they're like, well, we get monkeys everywhere around here, you know. Yeah, all over the place. They're all just just climbing in our windows, you know, basically like uh, squirrels taking our stuff. But, but anyway, yeah. So very, very popular deer. Okay, nineteen twelve, the Salt Lake Parks Department officially established the zoo thanks to the popularity of the deer, with an original investment of one hundred and fifty-three dollars. So the zoo's what was originally in the nineteen twelve zoo was one pair of golden pheasants. Pheasants. This kind of reads like um, the 12 days of Christmas. So. Plus Noah's Ark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> one pair of golden pheasants, one pair of mandarin ducks, one pair of foxes, one pair of dim whistle cranes, one pair of squirrels, one pair of blue f- peafowl, one pair of blue white storks, or one pair of white storks, one pair of white face ringtail monkeys. That was there. There was you have it. Yeah. Mandarin ducks. I didn't know what they look like. I just looked them up. Really They're cool, cool, right? Yeah. And then the crane, the, the, uh, the cranes kind of have the demon eye thing going on. Again, lot, like squirrels. Birds. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm just wondering, squirrels are, were they enclosed? I don't know. Because there's squirrels everywhere. I also wonder yeah. how the Tracy aviary connects with this. Because it is 
in Liberty Park still. Yeah. So maybe this... We, we could do a sister episode on yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyways, but that's where it started out, um, which is cool. You know, had some birds, had some stuff you can go see. Uh, and progress continued. In 1913, the zoo opened the Happy Family Building, which housed mostly birds, included a quail, peacocks. Oh, we need to make that distinction. Remember last time when we first recorded this, one of us didn't know what the difference is between... One of us. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac. Peafowl, peacocks. So peafowl means the bird. Peahen is the ladybird. Peacocks is the gentleman bird. Boom. Boom. Um, pigeons, parakeets, ostriches, ducks, and one turkey. They would no, not. No, lonely turkey's not in. He's not a happy family. No, he was just the. Uh, yeah, just one. Turkey. Was later slaughtered for the uh, Salt Lake City family Thanksgiving celebration. <laughs> Oops. The that's ha- not true. The, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but it was um, also home to over a hundred rabbits and a lot of guinea fowl. Uh, the zoo's annual schedule included an opening in mid-May, and it would close in mid-December. And you could go in without paying a penny. That's cool. How about that? Yeah. How about that? So uh, three years later, 1916, this is when one of the most significant purchases happened. or uh, in- Residence. Residence. All right. Not I a purchase. This is when one of the most significant um, residents entered the, the premises of the zoo. So 1916, they purchased the elephant, Princess Alice. And she was a 32-year-old Asian elephant named after Theodore Roosevelt's daughter, Alice. Uh, Penny and nickel donations from uh, area school children ended up raising $3,200 for Princess Alice's purchase from a traveling circus. So that's kind of cool. And $3,200 in in modern money, what would that be? I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, and I because we fact-checked that, right? Like that was... 3200 in 1916 money? Right. Goodness. Right. Let's see. So All raised by school children. <laughs> I just feel like that... I wonder about that because I wonder how many circuses even had that much net worth, you know? Right. So whatever. Even if that's not the exact right amount, it, it was it was a surprising amount raised by school children. Okay, that wait. Much so, say the number one more time. 3250 So $3,250 in 1916 was... About $93,650 today. That's, that's why I'm questioning. Like, I don't that's know if that's correct. Figure. I wonder How if, are little kids paying for this? And, yeah. and you know, this fact comes from Hogel Zoo's website. So it, Who, did they, they didn't specify, did they? No. If it was, they have no sources, unfortunately. Well, Hogel Zoo, we're, I guess, going to trust you, but with a big old grain of salt there. But, but let it be known that from... With with the help of local school children, okay, that's what's maybe, important. Princess maybe Alice was purchased. All of them. Yeah. Right. So there you go. It was purchased from the Sells Flotto Show uh, Company, cir- yeah, traveling circus. circus yeah. So the zoo's animal inventory now includes, at this time, more than two hundred and seventy-five animals, twenty-six of which uh, were donated. Except for the monkeys and Princess Alice, um, most of the zoo's collection is from North America. Uh, in addition, one one thousand carp. 36,000 trout, 150 rabbits, 42 quail, 100 mallard ducks um, made up that collection at the time. And the zoo's annual budget was $4,700, and of which 1,300 was spent for the animal's food. So that's like 10,000, wait, more than, wait, way more than that. That's like $100,000 in today's money. Oh yeah, well over. Their budget. If we're taking these numbers, if we believe them. If we believe them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, 36,000 trout. How do you uh, exhibit those? That's you just like have gross. a body of water and a sign that says, trust us, there's trout in there. You know what I mean? I don't know. 
I, I don't know. I'm I, have many questions. Yeah. I have many questions how, how that big are lake? not answered. How we did try and look this up, people. Please know that we're not just like... This is what their website said. Yeah, we're not learning about this um, with you. Okay. Uh, whose turn was it? Um, it's mine. Okay. 1917, the zoo erected a building to house Princess Alice. Very, very cool. And that was in Liberty Park. So keep that in mind too, people. We're still in Liberty Park. And here. I can do I can do 1918 yeah, also. Pretty, pretty Princess Alice gives birth to Prince Utah, her fourth offspring and the first one that was born at the zoo in Salt Lake. <laughs> and area newspapers heralded the blessed event. Man. But oh. unfortunately. A blessed event followed by an unfortunate event a year later. Prince Utah in 1919 sadly passed away on March 14th, just shy of a full year old. The newspaper sources reported that the autopsy discovered Prince Utah had died due to cardiovascular health complications. I do not know what the incidence in elephants is of cardiovascular health complications, but um, the elephant was then stuffed by a local taxidermist and placed on display. And this will become a common theme. A lot of the which is kind of cool. A lot of the famous animals from this zoo end up being taxidermied and stuffed. But I don't know. They live on. For educational purposes, right on. Yeah. Very cool. They live on. They live on. Okay. So, okay. What do we got? 1931 is our next date here. So, the community is in uproar. Um, headlines. Uh, Princess Alice breaks free from her enclosure very frequently, actually, and is repeatedly seen wandering on 7th East in downtown Salt Lake, wearing um, laundry on her back, having walked through backyards and uh, collecting laundry pieces from from various families and trampling gardens and so forth. Um, so the people are in uproar. Trampoline gardens? Trampling. Oh. Trampling <laughs> gardens. <laughs> I thought that too, but I'm like, no, he's good. <laughs> I'd love to go to a, a trampoline, trampoline garden. That sounds fun. Like a beer garden. Exactly. But with tramps. <laughs> but can you imagine just uh, going about your day and seeing a giant elephant wandering down the street? Like, oh, well, there it is um, again. It depends. I can. I was yeah. just in Uganda, and this is a real problem for people that live near animal reserves and national parks there you go like my friend almost got run over by one as she was walking to our little hut i don't like that thought it's pretty crazy princess alice by the way was an asian elephant correct uh yes correct yes she was yeah so eventually after all of these uh uh, breakouts i guess uh they built a Escapes. a nice new enclosure for princess alice that was a bit more secure mm-hmm. well they talked about building it going to a different place so that she wasn't by people anymore right yeah that's when the discussion led started yep. going to where else can we have a zoo here and uh, it was moved to a place near emigration canyon by to right at this time uh yeah. i think so yeah shoot so the Hogel family had a piece of land near Emigration Canyon that they, which was a little bit further away from where people lived, and so they moved the zoo there, and that's where it is today. The Hogel, the Hogel family donated it, so it's called the Hogel Zoo. Um, and then this is a couple years later, in 1934, the water supply at the zoo was cut off for failure to pay a $195 bill. And the zoo's superintendent, a flamboyant man by all accounts, threatened to turn all the animals loose if the water was not turned back on. And needless to say, the water was quickly restored and the animals stayed in their exhibits. Thank goodness. What a bargaining chip. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like... (laughs) I got yeah. a I got an elephant here. Yeah, you have a neighbor who's like, hey, you know, turn your lights off or you guys are too loud and it's be like, you want my tiger to come over and 
deal with you or can you deal with my lights for a little bit? It's you know very I mean? uh, Joe Exotic. It is Joe Exotic. Sick of yeah. Alice. <laughs> Do you guys listen to Nate Bargetsy, the comedian? No. He does a, a great bit on um, people owning exotic pets. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's a, he deals with like gun rights and stuff. I'll show it to you after the, after the podcast. Deal. Here. All funny. right. Let's watch it. Okay. Um, so yeah, he, there, that was a win, uh, when he was able to get <laughs> the water win. turned back on, but by night. Also, 19, also okay. blackmail. Yeah. Well, yes, it was Extortion. a victory. Yeah. Extortion. <laughs> it was a, a CD, a CD win. By 1941, the zoo was in uh, a state of, of, of dismay and, and it needed a lot of repairs. The depression had contributed to low financial resources. Um, and then by World War II coming around, um, their money just needed to go elsewhere, right? Um, and so only those who didn't know how bad the zoo was were the visitors at the time because they would go not knowing that it was in such a bad condition. By June of 1941, the Tribune, Salt Lake Tribune, publishes some news articles about the conditions, one of which headlined saying, Bad odor, old cages, and garbage. That is Salt Lake City Zoo. This, yeah. Not a, not a brief title. Yeah, ugly. ugly but a sad one nonetheless. Yeah, and unfortunately accurate, right? And so Salt Lake City committed to clean up and repair the grounds and facilities. And that they did. Uh, by 1942, within a year actually, Salt Lake City had actually improved the zoo so much that one of the local uh, residents, the, the zoo's oldest lion. Resident. <laughs> one of the residents of the zoo. Yes. Of the zoo. <laughs> what did I say? No, I know. Uh, I'm just, she's I just applauding think it's you. funny. Oh. <laughs> Good job. Sorry. Thank you. This is not a guest or a captive. This is a resident. It's a re- <laughs> He's not a... Uh, and it was an, an old one at that. Yeah. Um, but so... The headline of this uh, article that um, that someone wrote was that this, the lion had passed away due to the shock of living in a new, clean, and comfortable quarters. So they cleaned it up quite a bit, apparently. Yeah. If that's true, I don't know. But again, that's. Uh, do we trust this website? <laughs> I guess we do. Yeah, it's fun to think about. Did that you guys way. hear about? I just had to look this up. This was in the news not long ago about the. Um, like the world's dirtiest man. He was an Iranian gentleman. He was a hermit who hadn't bathed in like decades. The Somebody bathed him. I don't know if it was against his will or whatever, but um, he died like just a few months after. Oh, I heard <laughs> of oh, that. Oh, that's yeah. so sad. Yeah. No, I mean, keep in mind he was 94. Okay. So it's not like, I don't know that the bath killed him or anything. But, but co- does correlation? Yeah. I think not. <laughs> correlation <laughs> equal causation. Pretty crazy. But it's just it's just kind of a funny fact they gave here. But No, for um, sure. For or at least of, a funny description, hopefully. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a funny fact. <laughs> <Yes>. Absolutely. <laughs> what a sad fact. Um, I mean, but to sum it up, they, they cleaned up the zoo. Yeah, so. they, did. they did. And then they said, hey, um, anybody got some pets out there they don't want? Hike them our way. What Boom. was the purpose of that? I don't know because... To feed to the animals? Yeah. Numbers, quantity. Because unless they're saying, you know, anybody out there with mountain lions, buffalo, and... I don't want uh, your you house know. cat. Yeah. I don't know. Mm, there's but so many more questions than answers. But that's the point of learning, though, isn't it? <laughs> now we know what we <laughs> need to look about. It's true. Okay. 1943, World War II has continued, and there's still ration- there's rationing going on now in the U.S., so the zoo had to grow its own vegetables, wheat, and oats to feed the animals that were residents. And also they used Salt Lake's Jordan Park to raise some vegetables also. So they were able to be a little more self-sustaining. Yeah, man. 1944, by mid-December. This was a, a, a bit of a weird incident. Unfortunate, too, um, but a happy ending. Princess Alice... Uh, this is the elephant we talked about. Um, had a stomach ache, had some tummy issues, mm. 
And within days, the much-loved elephant suffered from what was later determined to be a nervous infection, which left her partially blind. But by the end of December, right, so like two weeks later, uh, she totally recovered. So she had a nasty stomachache, nervous infection, and somehow blinded her. I don't know how that works. I really don't. And um, that's not Again, me denying it. Again, more questions like, and answers. Yeah. Right. It, it was widely enough reported that something happened to her, but she did seem to be totally fine after that. Yeah. Responded yeah. She well. lived for a long time after that. Yeah. They just said, hey, take some Tums and go get some rest, eh? No, hey. that's not what happened. Okay, so here we got... Okay, 1948. This is the next event. So May 14th, the female liger, uh, served by a father lion and mother tiger, is born. And this is the famous liger named Shasta that a lot Shasta. of Utahns will know about. Yeah. You you may know Shasta from the the BYU Museum of Natural Life. Is that the what it's called? Museum. The Bean yeah. Museum. The Bean Museum, yep. Um, Monty Bean. Shasta is there, taxidermied and stuffed on display for many, many to see. And she's huge. Massive, She yeah. is huge. And I wanted to just uh, briefly talk about that. So as Isaac mentioned, um, Shasta had a father who was a lion, a mother who was a tiger. And in this particular circumstance, um, something really interesting happens. And that, that particular pairing... Um, results in the absence of certain growth-limiting genes, which means if you find ligers out, obviously you won't find them in the wild, but if you find ligers um, at zoos, uh, you will find that they're pretty freaking huge. They're massive. Whoa. And they just keep on growing. Um, <laughs> that is uh, scary. Because they don't have the growth limit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just... Because, uh, like, you see these pictures of, you know, like a regular-sized person next to one, and they're just... It's not that they're like tall tigers or anything. It's that they're just huge. They're just massive. Yeah. Um, so be careful about that. But yes, yes, Shasta was there, uh, which is always a fun little thing. I don't really know about the ethics of lagering. Yeah. Truly don't that know. doesn't happen in the wild. It's yeah. a very artificial, human-created breeding practice but from what i understand she lived in a she lived in a he, i think she, i think oh she there yeah. are many ligers in the world yeah. so is okay it, how you know is it much different than gold golden doodling or labradoodling who knows oh, man? That's, that's an interesting thought uh, because i mean shasta was obviously like a very beloved animal and seemed to live a, a you know best Peace life yeah. best life that she could have in in the zoo in but the zoo. for um, the time for the, yeah, for the time. Um, but Shasta was a very beloved animal um, in, in Utah. All right. Moving on forward. I don't know who spoke last, but I'll just I'll say this one because it's not easy, and I don't want to put you guys through it. Okay, 1953, Princess Alice, our beloved elephant, at 69, pretty old elephant, becomes ill and, uh, according to the records, was humanely euthanized. Um, yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's really sad. But 69... You're a staple of the community. It's a long time for an elephant. For sure. And, you know, we don't know what her situation... Well, actually, we do know that she wasn't, like, hanging out with elephants her whole life. So you feel bad about that. Which is sad. Elephants are very social creatures. Yeah. So I do Extremely. feel bad. We will get back to that. I promise. There's a there is a passionate... Yeah, we're just dropping, dropping little hints. Dropping hints for what's going on in the yeah. future. To bring it on down the pike. Yep. Um, and then in 1956... Through the early 60s, the zoo constructed a cougar exhibit. They did a lot of, they improved a lot. So they created a cougar exhibit, a grotto for bears, an island for macaws, um, a petting zoo kind of area for different 
animals, which they still have. I remember Mm -hmm. petting like goats and sheep and whatever else they had. Penguins and monkey island. let you pet the penguins? No. No. (laughs) Man, how cool. Can you imagine? Lucky. That would be Um, cool. That grotto for the bears was there for a long time. And I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It, It was architecturally i think authentic enough to the sense that there were like really you know rock formations it was just very gray very small yeah concrete yeah though they've done a lot to improve that though i will say uh by which i mean they removed the grotto and have put in new things for bears thank you isaac 64 pardon me (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna throw up don't worry (laughs) <laughs> okay, so by 1964, we've got uh, zoo director uh, Gerald DeBerry is actually fatally bitten by a puff adder, and Lamar Farnsworth is named director. So, um, yeah, the the director was bitten by by a snake and died. I'm not sure the exact circumstances of how that happened, but I, g- I get the vibe that he was an administrator. Like I have no supporting evidence, but this is what I like to think was he was an administrator who was probably like you know. I know what I'm doing. Give me that snake. I'll how it's done. <laughs> you're probably like, not uh, wrong. Mr. DeBerry, I don't think you're really... Ah! Shut up, you. Now, this is how you defang a snake. And then all of a sudden, it gets him. And then everyone's like, well, we told you this would happen. And Lamar's like, I, I didn't want this. But here I am now, the president, you know, the director. Um, and then what did the zoo do? Uh, apologize, uh, apologies to the DeBerry family, by the way. I doubt that that's accurate. but it's I doubt that they'll listen. <laughs> that's true. But uh, we'll get there. The event did bring on, uh, or it, it did. Um, What's the word? Inspire. It, Inst- yeah, yeah, yeah. The incident inspired Hogel Zoo to begin researching um, snake venom. Yeah. So too little, too late. <laughs> too late. Too Are soon. these things poisonous? <laughs> I thought they were just weird looking. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, and the zoo also constructed a sea lion pool and dedicated it to the late Mr. DeBerry. He must have loved Rip. loved sea lions. Or they At least just they didn't do a snake to... pit. <laughs> <laughs> Named after him. Uh, rich. Okay, and the last bit of history here. Ironic. Uh, Casey, take the last 1965 one. to 1966, the year my mother was born, the tape, Taper building. Tapir? Tapir. Tapir. Um, they're, they're kind of like pigs, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're... Um, Pachyderm. Yes, I'm getting. <laughs> let's see. Knows. Now I have to. I'm so ignorant. But no, that's yes, hilarious. Yes, they're very cute. The problem is, I know how you got to the pig you comparison. Know, yeah, they look kind of like little mini elephants because they have kind of long noses. Yeah, yeah. but they're probably the, more noses. about the size of a pig and kind of. Um, that's so funny. It, really cool color. The they're gray very and black. pretty. Yeah, yeah. Very nice cool. contrast there. There are cows that look like that. There are. Um, so anyways, sorry to get us off track. <laughs> that was great. They built a tapir t- t- building and a great apes building. Um, and then the very first three chimpanzees are acquired through donated trading stamps. So I don't know how the zoo is being run. School children are <laughs> donating their pocket money. Stamps are being donated. To, like, where what, is the what funding? What those things that when you were kids would cut out? Box tops? A box, box tops. <laughs> But <laughs> anyway, this this is as far as our history lesson kind of goes. But needless to say, after the 60s, the zoo's expanded. There's been lots of different kinds of um, wildlife shows. Like there's bird shows, dog shows. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Indeed we will. Um, but yeah, the zoo has been a place for families to gather for over 100 years. Yeah. Um, so we do have um, 
a couple of more significant animals or residents of the zoo that we want to go through really quick um, before we get into the next section. But um, so the first one we have here is a um, a gorilla named Gorgeous. Gorgeous. She was gorgeous. Gorilla. Uh, it's not go go gorgeous. <laughs> well, what a sequence there. <laughs> through, uh, through Isaac off there. <laughs> You think I'm gorgeous, Jake? I think you're a delight, a delight wow. to look at. Okay. So Gorgeous was a female Western lowland gorilla and was one of the zoo's most famous animals. Um, gorgeous came to the Hogle Zoo in 1985 from the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado. She was, uh, she was caught in the wild in 1949 uh, when she was an infant, unfortunately. Um, but gorgeous was a very popular animal among all the guests that came and... Um, was she and they constantly interacted with them and a lot of people developed yeah she she liked to respond when people on the other side of the glass or I actually don't know what they used at the time but you know enclosure they would you know kind of move around and talk and she would she would play around with them yeah now this has nothing to do with gorgeous but I have a gorilla experience at a zoo do it I I, I think this was in the the zoo in Denmark where my mom is from but one of the gorillas was sitting by the window where all these people were watching her and Reaches down behind her, oh, poops into her hand, and then rubs the poop on the glass. Ooh. So I think the gorilla was a little bit salty that day and just uh, not enjoying the no, observation. Stop looking at me, everyone. Yeah, like, leave me alone. That's yeah, and we'll talk about this later on, but I don't know how I feel about zoos, really. So Yeah, it's it's a complicated subject, to say the least. Can I share my gorilla experience? Absolutely. Um, I was just in Uganda, as I mentioned, with the law school, and... Uh, I went on a v- gorilla tracking experience. So I got to see, these were not lowland gorillas, like gorgeous. They were highland gorillas. They live in the mountains, the volcanoes, um, on kind of the borders of the DRC, uh, Uganda and Rwanda. And we got to walk where g- gorillas walk and they walked by us and they touched us and they were really close to us in a way that made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> but it was, I was just awed by how beautiful they were and to see them in their natural habitat was amazing and i recognize that most people cannot do that so i see that value of a zoo um but my story is i was my professor was like i'll take a picture of you with the gorillas in the background because we were really close to them so i sat down and um they i was they were taking my picture and right as i was sitting down to take the picture two gorilla groups there were two that were started um fighting each other yeah. and they started running towards us and uh needless to say it freaked me out i can post that picture on our instagram but it was quite an adventure and i survived but i was a little too close for comfort just hearing it is too close to comfort for me jake is shaking his head yeah so. i'm not i'm not a fan of close <laughs> encounters <laughs> oh boy anyways um, um the next animal that oh, was sorry next really celebrity. quick oh, yes. on gorgeous yeah Go so ahead. just a, a cool tidbit she became world famous as the first gorilla ever to receive cataract surgery oh yeah very cool yeah ophthalmologist uh dr alan crandall from the university of utah medical school which um uh, by the way is like five minutes away from the zoo they're they're super close to each yeah. other performed the surgery and implanted a lens into gorgeous's eye um, uh, she was just, it was a successful surgery, the beginning, or at least a continuation of a long and fruitful relationship between the zoo and the university. And there is a ghoul, uh, excuse me, a bronze bust of gorilla outside the great apes building. Um, if you ever want to go be like, what a gorgeous look like there she is. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Absolutely. Okay. 
Okay, next animal that we're going to talk about, next resident Thank is you. Dari. She was the oldest living African elephant in the world. This is kind of a theme of the Hogel Zoo. Lots yeah. of old animals. She was 55 when she died. Um, and she was loved by guests and staff alike. And she was known for her caring attitude towards other elephants in her herd. Dari, you're a gem. Which is awesome. Her herd was pretty small, as we'll talk about. We keep talking about like mentioning little things. Her herd was quite small. It's going to be a five-minute segment, I people. know. <laughs> I'm sorry. All good. But yeah. All good. Sweet, okay. sweet Dari. And then Daphne, Isaac? Yeah, Daphne. So Daphne was the oldest living giraffe in the world, believe it or not. Hogel Zoo's got some cool uh, records there. Yeah. So Daphne, oldest living giraffe in the world, uh, she ended up coming to the zoo in 1985 as well uh, from, the, from the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. She had nine calves at the zoo and ended up dying at the age of 31, which is double the average Ooh. lifespan of giraffes. So That's amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I man. mean, so you, so you want to think that she lived a, a good enough life in the zoo to expand her, her life. So it's kind truly, of cool. truly. Well, um, there, it wouldn't be a zoo podcast if we weren't talking about uh, animal escapes. Um, <laughs> Clearly. I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> Or maybe it would. I don't know how often that is, but I just, I think these are interesting. I'll take the leopard one if someone wants to talk about Maddie the wolf. Okay. I can talk about Maddie. So in 2006, Maddie, she was eight years old, leapt over an eight foot fence, eight, eight, Woo. a coincidence, and escaped. So she was out of her enclosure for about an hour it's until... a dare. The other wolves. <laughs> the other wolves were like, hey, Maddie. You eight now. You think you can do it? <laughs> I bet you can't. <laughs> bet, you, bet you three foxes you can't. Um, so Maddie was out of her enclosure for about about an hour until zoo officials found her and brought her back. And no one was hurt, luckily. Thank goodness. Yes. But um, other animals were not as incident-free. Yeah. Uh, we'll do one that was incident-free really quick. So in 2016, um, Zaya, a four-year-old Amur leopard. Amur? 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 I'm not sure. Amur. That's a pretty cat is what it is. Um, climbed through a six by six inch opening at the top of her enclosure. Crazy. Now think about that and the fact that she was 60 pounds. So I don't know. I don't know how cats do that. They can somehow squeeze themselves into they're weird, but beautiful. Uh, 60 pounds, right? This cat, she, what she did when she left, she just rested on a beam outside of her enclosure and took a nap, not tranquilized. Uh, like, well, she was eventually tranquilized so they could bring her back in. But she just wanted to go and take a nap in a new place. Power to her. Uh, but thankfully, she was put back into a holding area in the zoo's hospital. And I bet woke up saying, what in the world just happened? Uh, who disturbed my slumber? Who disturbed my slumber? <laughs> okay. So those are some of the calmer ones. Yeah, but we do have some more violent ones, unfortunately. Um, so in 1997, Tino, a 450-pound Western oh, Lowland gorilla... <laughs> Um, ended up attacking and bit uh, this a man named Robert Pratt. I read that and I saw Brad Pitt. Brad and I Pitt. Was you know, excited for a second. I don't. I don't think that's Brad Pitt, but that would have been a great story. For imagine me. how much better the story would be if it was Brad Pitt. Uh, but this man, Robert, he was the zoo's team leader for primates, and he, so I'm, I'm sure he was very familiar and knew these animals very well. But uh, this gorilla was feeling a little feisty that day, and. Um, so Tino ended up uh, gaining access to a room which Pratt was in cleaning after a door was left open, and Pratt was knocked down by the gorilla and <laughs> suffered some some bite wounds. Uh, Pratt was okay though and returned to work soon after the incident. Yeah, we, do we know what happened to Tino? Probably was just escorted back and I don't know. I don't know. I I, I, 
I'm not That's sure. That's our bad, folks. Yeah. It, they make it sound like it, they probably just put him back in and say, hey, give him, put him in the corner. And well, you just got to be careful, out. you know? Chimps are crafty. Anim- um, Ooh. Not chimps. Uh, I just learned that toward the end of his life, he was euthanized after um, meds didn't work for him anymore. But that means he was still there, which means they didn't put him down That's immediately. Good. Right. Okay, cool. Okay, and he was just being Tino. That's just being Tino. <laughs> just who he, he has is. a personality, that's for sure. Um, 1999, this one's pretty sad. Two yeah. zookeepers were attacked by three chimpanzees after one of the workers did not close the gate to their indoor exclo- ex- enclosure, so they got out. Um, two of the chimpanz- chambi- chimps... Oh my gosh. Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba, <laughs> bumba. Uh, get knocked down. Okay, two chimpanzees... Blah, blah, blah. Two chimpanzees were shot and killed, and a third was contained and sent to a zoo in Kansas. And both of the zookeepers were severely injured. That's why they were um, shot and killed, by the way. It's not like they got out and the zookeepers flipped and just took them out, but there was... They hurt people. Yeah, there was an incident, Badly, yeah, which is really sad. Yeah, that's one of those conversations that needs to be had about what's the line, right? Yeah, Um, for sure. And you you never know, I mean... And I certainly don't blame anybody because if they have to decide there in the moment, you know, I don't want that pressure on me. Yeah. But um, here's a fun, a last one that doesn't seem to have been a uh, problematic. But in 2011, four spider monkeys escaped from their outdoor enclosure. They didn't make it far. They were coaxed back in, harm-free, um, which is cool. But um, yeah, of these three, it's kind of intense, like uh, Planet of the Apes vibes with the with the chimps. You know <laughs> I know, I mean? right? So. Kind of, kind of unionizing and <laughs> fighting back, right? <laughs> they banded together. They were not. They were going to own the capital and the means of production. That is exactly right. Okay, very good. Well, really quick, I'll just talk about the bird show since this was um, close to my heart. If that's all right, yes, for, um, please. The Hogel Zoo had an absolute banger of a bird show for so long, uh, hosted by Steve Chindren. Chindren. I can never pronounce his last name. It's C-H-I-N-D-G-R-E-N. Yeah, I'm not sure how you'd say that. And this thing, folks, like you had not lived till you had seen this show because you it's in this little amphitheater that's dug into the ground and you start off and, you know, you see on some perches, some macaws and, and an owl or two and like a crow and you're like, oh, okay, well, this is nice. They're going to tell us about the birds. And then once they start the show, they blast Phil Collins on the speakers and like you've got falcons flying in from behind you and you've got this giant eagle owl coming in from a giant telephone pole. Um, it was just amazing. Absolutely intense. And they had just this cool opening sequence. Ah, oh, man. So anyways, that happened for a long time until I'm pulling up the link. It was like really recent too. Where did it go? It was discontinued. Um, and I think it was for financial reasons. I don't know that the zoo had the funds to continue or maybe they were just saying, you know, folks don't respond to birds the way they used to, which is a shame. But Steve certainly didn't give up. A lot of these birds ended up in his custody and he still kind of takes care of them. He lives not far from the zoo in Emigration Canyon. Um, yeah, it was a 25 year run, this show. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was. What a lot of dedication from that guy. For real. And like his kids grew up with him kind of figuring this stuff out and doing it. But they um, they still work with the birds, get them exercise, get them, you know, trained or whatever. They, they didn't just like, you know, abandon them or anything. And uh, he's making, he's taking good care of them. So uh, it's been replaced with uh, like a dog show thing. No, no problems with dogs. 
I just kind of missed the falcons flying over your shoulder. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the existential fear I mean, as you hear a wing Yeah, flap forgive me. You know, I, I see a Pekingese and I'm like, ooh, but I see a, you know, a, a giant a bald eagle. Yeah, a raptor coming after me. And I'm like, I'd pay more money for the raptor show. Tell me about it. So. Well, it's it's uh, bird trainers like our friend Steve here that make me feel better about zoos in, in some ways. For sure, man. It sounds like he was passionate and he took really good care of them and, and still is to this day. So that's, he did. that's something I like to hear. Yeah, zookeepers on the whole by a lot of um, uh, OBHR, like academics looking up job satisfaction, zookeepers always rank at the top of the list. If not number no one, kidding. like the top. Yeah. And like if you, I think the way they described it is if there's any career that someone would call their calling... It's a zookeeper. Low pay, dirty, dangerous, and they love it. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, they just love animals. So these are really, really cool people. Thank a zookeeper the next time you're there. Just pat them <laughs> on the back and say, you know what? Amen. Without you, what would we do? Well, I don't know about you, but I think the, mor- the mortgage industry is my calling. It's certainly fascinating. Job satisfaction through the <laughs> I have not been attacked by a, a lowland gorilla yet at my mortgage job. But uh, let's let's have some hard talks here. Casey, I think this is a good place for you to jump in. Sure. Um, yeah, zoos, good, bad, ugly, fun? You know, I mean, I think there's a lot for them and a lot against them, and I think it depends on how the zoo is run. Um, the United States has one of has the highest captive tiger population in the whole world because people just have their own little, like, family zoos, and they just own these tigers and breed them so that people can play with baby tigers and i think that that's ethically really wrong and really sad it's a pretty um, it's a pretty staggering um statistic actually so pretty ugly it's that there's so this the statistic <laughs> so the statistic itself is that there are about five five thousand tigers in captivity in the u.s while there's only 3900 in the entire wild and so put that I, into perspective there Zoos, I mean, zoos do a great job of keeping these animals alive. Like, wow, that's that's great that we have tigers and that we're able to still keep biodiversity on this planet alive. And I think there are really great examples of really great zoos. Like one that I went to growing up is called the Living Desert in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really cool, and it is, has it has only has animals that live in the climate that they're in. So they have. It's like African savanna, and then they have desert animals from um, the Americas, no. and that's like all they have. And they have lots of room, more than other zoos that I've seen. And I think that those places who are trying to keep conservation alive and help people who aren't able to go to natural habitat, yeah, yeah. right. Um, I was only able to go because my school paid for it. I was only able to go to Uganda thanks to really generous donors at my school who allowed me which allowed me to go. I couldn't have gone otherwise, you know. So I recognize the role that zoos play some value. in bringing exposure of biodiversity and wildlife to this to places that people wouldn't really normally go to. But there's also that ethical dilemma of, well, we're keeping things captive that aren't supposed to be captive. Um, people die because of attacks by monkeys or... Um, like these animals are dying of depression and sadness, like in the Hogel Zoo. Yeah, let's get down to it. This we is can what talk we've been about, alluded to. Yes, finally, let's talk about it. Elephants. So recently, this year, in 2023, the Hogel Zoo decided that they will transfer their two remaining elephants. They only have two elephants, people. Christy and Zuri to other zoos. And remember, these are community animals. Yes, they're huge community 
elephants are very social. Yeah. So, so kudos to Hogo Zoo for, for doing that. They're sending them away so that they can live in a more optimal environment that allows for better social interaction and so they won't be sad like Dari the elephant who died young. Well, and it's not like... I mean, this is Hogles that we're going to put you on the spot for a sec. It's not like this was uh, an immediate decision that was such an obvious thing to do. Like the zoo made it on, um, I can't remember the organization. There's a, there's both Deseret News and Salt Lake Trib articles about it, but it was like in the top 10 worst zoos for elephants. Um, and the Hogles Zoo was reached out for comment and, you know, understandably pretty defensive saying, well, like, well, we totally disagree with that. You know, we do a great job keeping the animals healthy. We upkeep their uh, enclosures and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of the primary argument, which was that these are social animals and you need to keep them in social areas, the zoo couldn't really say anything because that's true. They, they had two of them there and it was as good of an enclosure as it is. These elephants were kind of living alone. Uh, I think one was still in its breeding years, right? Um, not Zuri, but Christy. Christy, Christy yeah, Christy's still one. in her breeding, yeah. yeah. And so the the zoo ultimately, I don't want to say capitulated, because I do believe there were zookeepers there that said, no, this is we can do this for the right reasons, not just because there's bad press around it. Um, they said, all right, we're gonna we're gonna ship them out. So Hogle Zoo, in the end, we applaud you. We yes, we're you grateful made, that the Hogle Zoo call. is. I know that people will miss the elephants, but. I am grateful that Hogle Zoo is maybe starting to focus more on local animals to help the local environment and um, give the animals that need more a life that they can enjoy in a place that the Hogle Zoo just can't do it. So that for me is the thing like animals are people too. Right. <laughs> and, and no, like that's, that can be a controversial comment. Isaac, like that. I'm only wearing cactus leather from now on. <laughs> But no, like you don't have to be, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, academic or whatever. To, if you have a dog and you treat your dog like garbage, they're going to be sad. And like, you know, it doesn't take a lot of, um, you know, you don't have to be some sort of empathetic genius to, to see an animal who's obviously not having a good day. And so I think it's a good thing. I think we should treat animals uh, with respect. I think they've got, you know, I've got my beliefs that tell me that, but I've also got just, I think there's a lot of good empirical data that says, you know, if you treat an animal well, they're happy. Uh, and I want animals to be happy. Right. Can I say my animal, my favorite animal quote? Oh, please. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Was this? That's 1980. No, that's Animal Farm. Thank you, Animal not, Farm. Yeah. I just ruined your really hopeful ending and oh, just made it sad. But Well, well I, so there is a place. There's... There is a place for zoos. Like you mentioned, there are good zoos and there are really bad zoos. Like our good friend Joe Exotic Zoo in Oklahoma. Woof. You know, Oklahoma is probably the worst place you can have for a tiger. Um, you think so? No, that's probably true. <laughs> that's, that's pretty mean. It, it's, not, it's not the, not the climate. <laughs> oh, it's, the, it's the way they're treated, obviously. <laughs> but, but so um, I was able to read a little bit about what scientists are calling the sixth mass extinction, which is happening around the world today yuck and so a lot of a lot of um sources are claiming that hey zoos are actually doing a really good thing right now um of course the the ones that take good care of the animals they're they're providing a place for the zookeepers and for scientists to combat the evolving threats to 
some certain global ecosystems. So there are zoos that are doing amazing things. Yeah, um, they've contributed to like combating extinction. For absolutely, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of conservation arguments yeah. for zoos. Yeah, I guess that's the word. Sorry, I don't know why I <laughs> broke it down. <laughs> conservation, Jake. Just use the word. Stick with the script. <laughs> Come on, Jake. Come on, Jake. <laughs> Get it together. That's funny. So no, yeah, no. again, I, I, is there anything else anyone has to say? I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know. We haven't solved the problem. We can talk about it. A yeah lot. like there's i see both sides i see one more hopeful thing which is that our as our generation now is raising families because like part of me like it's not hard to find reasons why zoos who are you know mr deberry right the administrators and again i know that's probably not true but i, I imagine him sitting behind a desk saying hey conservation is all good and fine but this stuff costs money and you know if people want to sure. pay to see x y or z then we can only fund as much of our zoo as people are willing to pay. And I get that. And I, I'm grateful that there seems to be a global standard that's getting higher for how we maintain our zoos and stuff like that. And I think my generation might be a little more willing to pay for perhaps a more expensive zoo ticket if it means quality zoos with um, good ethics toward the animals, good stuff like that. And, you know, if zookeepers want to say there's a money argument, well, I mean, I'd be, I would for one would be happy to pay just a little bit more, you know, uh, so I don't know. That's what I'm yeah. saying. There's some hope on the horizon. I think there's hope. Yeah, I'm think... a little more cynical than you, but I do believe in hope. I yeah. believe in that for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you're a parent, have a conversation with your kid. If you're a kid, ask your parents about the zoos and uh, just talk about it and think about what we all need to do as people. That's true. To help our help our lovely animal brothers and sisters. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen. Jake. Our residents, our yeah. fr- our friendly residents, our residents our of the local Hogle Zoo. That's right. <laughs> Okay. Thank well, you all. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a reminder to go follow our Instagram so you can stay up to date on when certain episodes are being released and um, just to get some visuals of what we're talking about. We do post some photos of um, the things we discuss. Just so a photo of your ring in conjunction with this podcast. I am wearing a ring with the face of a uh, Asian elephant on it. Um, anyone who knows me will know that this ring goes everywhere with me. <laughs> I, uh, it's a valuable ring. I think it's actually, it's Ganesh, the elephant god, but I got it in Cambodia and in 2017, and I have never taken it off. Jake, you were with me the moment I got I this was, ring, were you not? I was. I was there. <clears throat> so there you go. My homage to the lovely elephants. Um, so yeah, go follow us on Instagram and just to keep up to date with us and stay tuned for uh, more episodes on the horizon. Feel free to comment and suggest what you want to hear about in utah um any topics or uh, pieces of history that you want us to talk about so thanks for the support and we'll catch you all next time see ya thanks everybody